not that I would have been happy that if they would have lost, but I would have accepted it as, listen, I was just happy that it was a competitive game. I've watched Boston this year, Gordon, yeah, and you know, they're they're they've been, yeah. I mean, they've been unbelievable. Yeah. They dominated. Mm -hmm. No question. So, uh, no, I don't even think it's close. It's the best win of the season. Yeah. Phoenix. Yeah, you're right. It's not even close. Not even close. Uh, off to the phones we go. Spikes and St. Pete. Spikes, start us off on ESPN New York tonight. Oh, another one of these, Gordon. It's pro you're proving to be Nostradamus. You can't lose them all. Now, this one was quite different. I want to see if you guys agree with my take, and I hope my nephew calls and my newly adopted son, Bruder, call because this was a great win. Uh, you don't have to read it to me. I'm, I'm looking at it now. I just turned my phone on. Phoenix turned the ball over eight times. They held Boston to 40%. And, and the defensive keys to this game, I know you – first of all, they, I, going, uh, I was texting with Larry back and forth. Uh, imagine Randall and Barrett both making critical free throws. <laughs> that At the end of the game. Yeah, that was, that was unexpected. You know, that's an aberration. I'll take it. I'll take it. The defensive performances of McBride and Barrett and even Obi. I'm looking at it plus 19, plus 11, plus 14. Look, Julius had his hands full trying to go out Tatum. I mean, that's a, that's a bear. But uh, I thought same thing. I mean, we all think alike. Let's face it. We all know the team. We all know the game. We all love the team. But uh, once it went into overtime, it's funny, my wife, she says, they were just up by 12. I said, yeah, we've been there, done that. Are they going to hold on? I, they haven't. Let's see. And then when the boys made the free throws. But uh, the little little things like the defense of uh, you know, McBride and Barrett and uh, look, shot selection, we could all be picky. But they, I, look, I hate the Celtics, man. I just hate the Celtics. I sent Larry a note, too. I love my family. You know, I want good health. And I want the Celtics to lose. That's the order of my life. And I didn't call them the Celtics. I used poop for the second syllable. I hate the Celtics. Now, that's from getting beat up all these years. But they're playing great. They arguably may be the best team. But I'm going to take it. I'm going to enjoy it. And let's just continue to play hard, you know. Uh, maybe the worm's turning. I don't know, Gordon. You always say it, right? You know, you don't want to get too high. You don't want to get too low. Are they? They're not a six. Maybe they're eight, nine, maybe they're ten. Let's just get in and get these kids some experience. Let's enjoy this one, boys, because we're going to be talking about the Jets' offensive coordinator for two days. Yeah, you're right, Spike, and thanks for the phone call. And, Gordon, I mean, if you're Jalen Brown, it's like, again, late in the game, happened in the finals last year, late in the game, got to make some free throws, yeah. don't make them. Mm -hmm. I mean, That's this huge. is something, this yeah. is, you know, this is something that is, if you're him, it's like, I got to get over this. I got to get over it. it you know, it, it cost them, the, it could have cost them the game tonight. I mean, that was the first part where I thought the Knicks were going to win. <laughs> it's those two free throws. I'm like, oh my God, they are going to, they're going to win this game. You know, I was kind of hoping throughout that they were going to win the game, but mm -hmm. that was the point where I said, you know, what? I think they're going to win this game. So, uh, look. There's always going to be things to nitpick, right? I mean, yeah, the, the Celtics' sure. defense down the stretch, I thought that uh, all of a sudden Dolphins head coach Mike McDaniel was the one running <laughs> the offense because every time they were getting a shot off with like one second left on the play clock. But mm -hmm. um, they they found a way to make it work. And again, I'm not telling you they're going to do that now they're going to take this and this is going to mean anything or they're going to get to six or they're going to get to five. But I would just say that this is far better than what I thought coming into the season. And I would not say that this has – 
this is not about building anything. This is just about in the meantime. Mm-hmm. Because they're going to, at some point, the, this regime is is looking to make that trade for a superstar. So this is all just kind of waiting until that happens. But while we're waiting, we're getting some entertaining basketball to watch. I don't know. That's not the worst thing in the world. It certainly it's not. beats the alternative. It's not. And listen, Gordon, you're getting to see some of the young players get some playing time. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that's another good thing that you're seeing. And, you know, they're, they're out there. They're, they're fighting. They're making mistakes. They're struggling. But they find a way to, to, you know, to make plays. And, you know, maybe Grimes wasn't, you know, he missed some open threes that you were just like he yeah. normally makes. But he was solid defensively. And, yeah, you know, he had a big stop there as well. Yeah. You know, he did the best he could. And, you know, um, <laughs> McBride, I would just, I just want to tell him, stop shooting the three for right now, please. Go to the basket. <laughs> just, just go to the basket. Right. You know, but, he's, but he did a great job defensively, overplaying some passing lanes. He did a nice job. So, you know, Jericho Sims, uh, big block, you know, at the end of regulation that got you to overtime. So the young players are, are showing you some things, and, you know, they're getting better. And, and that's, what, that's what you need to see. You want to see – now, look, I'm not saying they're going to be, all, uh, you know, career all-stars, but they're contributors, and that's what you want from your draft and your young players. Yeah, I mean, there could be a thing – like, when you hire Leon Rose, you always know that you're looking to, to, to attract a free agent or attract a star player through a trade or something, right? They could have went the route where they're just losing all the time. They're, they're not trying to do anything in the meantime. It's just about, you know, stockpiling ping pong balls. And they could have went that route. And who knows? Maybe that route would have led to a higher ceiling down the road. But in the meantime, wouldn't you rather be watching entertaining games? Like, even when the Knicks lose, you're, you're entertained during the game. Mm-hmm. It's true. It's not, it's, it's, it, it certainly beats the alternative of the last, what, seven, eight years before this. Yeah. I'll take and- it. Yeah, and that's you know that a lot of that is Jalen Brunson, right? A lot of that is his oh, absolutely his effort and his influence. Even though, you know, he got a little one-upmanship, a little crazy, not looking to pass the ball, wanted to take every shot late. But listen, he he's betting on himself, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and it turned out it worked out in the end. So that's the bottom line. Absolutely, Billy's in Bushwick. What's up, Billy? Hey, how how you doing, guys? Hey, Billy. So. So, with the Jets, I wanted to touch on the Jets first. At this point, they should just give me a chance. It can't get any worse than, than what they're doing. I don't understand what they were thinking with that hire, and I, I don't support it at all. That's my take on that. And then with the Knicks, I'm really proud of them. Thank you, R.J. Barrett, for knocking down the three that I closed my eyes when he shot it. Thank you, guys. I hear you, Billy. Thanks for the phone call. Look, I get that we're looking at Nathaniel Hackett as the head coach of Denver. And Gordon, as head coach of Denver, he was awful. Terrible. He was brutal. But his history as an offensive coordinator is much better than his head coaching because if it wasn't, he wouldn't have been a head coach. (laughs) He wouldn't have got the job. So understand this, and Jet fans, you know this firsthand. Every coordinator is not a head coach. I can think off the top of my head of four or five guys who were good coordinators, got a chance to be head coaches, were terrible head coaches, went back to being coordinators, and they were good again. The the first one that jumps to mind is North Turner. Uh North Turner was not a good head coach, but he was a good coordinator. Or Dom Capers, not a good head coach, but a good coordinator. Uh, Josh McDaniels, 
Yeah, really. He's a good coordinator, but he's just not a head coach. So Nathaniel Hackett, good news. Uh, he's not going to become here to be the head coach. And if something happens and you have to fire Robert Sala, I would say do not hire Nathaniel Hackett. Exactly. <laughs> I'm pretty confident that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. But when you take a look at the list of people that the Jets – if you're upset about the hiring of Nathaniel Hackett, where have you been? Because who was on that list that they interviewed you? You're like, oh, my God, clearly this is the right choice. Nathaniel Hackett was the right choice. Yep, he is. And and for a change, he's, he's a guy that's had offensive coordinator experience. Yes. Oh, my God, imagine that, hiring somebody who's actually done the job before and has had some success. <laughs> Not a, What a crazy idea, Larry. I know, especially in this situation where you had everybody new, right? You had the head coaches mm-hmm. new, and you had first-time yeah. coordinator, and then Obrick first-time coordinator. So I'm like, you know, what, you needed somebody with some experience there. So now we'll see what happens. And Gordon, maybe, doesn't guarantee anything, but nope. maybe it makes you know Aaron Rodgers look at the Jets a bit more fondly. If it raises the odds of him coming here by 5%, then it was worth it. Again, the main thing that the Jets have to get right is not who the offensive coordinator is. It's Mm -hmm. who the quarterback is. And he has at least some connections to the best guy who's available this offseason. We'll continue the conversation on 98.7 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer. On 98.7 ESPN. Brian Windhorst was on Barton Hahn asking, answering the question, who is the star the Knicks are after? And Gordon, with performances like tonight, it makes them as a destination a little more appetizing. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. you're competitive against a great team. And, you know, we're not trying to go overboard now. We, we kill them all the time, and we're not going to jump on and say they're going to win the championship. Clearly, no, they're not at that not. stage. But, no. you know, if, if you're trying to show and lure talent here, today's free agents, they want to be – they want to know there's something there that they don't have to pull all the weight by themselves. And exactly. you've got some pieces here. And we all agreed on that, right? After the summer where the, they struck out with, with Durant and, and Kyrie to whatever extent, that I, I don't think they really wanted Kyrie, but still, that, that free agent summer, we all agreed that if you're going to lure somebody here, they don't want to come here to be the savior. They don't want to come here by themselves. You can't just clear out a bunch of salary cap space and have a terrible team. you got to build something. And I'm not telling you that there's going to be a lot of pieces on this team right now that are going to be on the the next team where the Knicks are playing in the finals again. But I think this is kind of what it looks like to actually try to build something, right? They they have some young players who are getting experience and and you like some of the young players that they have. Uh, They have some veteran players as well who are playing very well, including uh, Julius Randle and obviously Brunson. They have a little bit of a mix here. Uh, They have some draft. They have plenty of draft picks. They, they have plenty of flexibility if somebody does become available. And now it's just playing the waiting game on who that is and if they have a shot at, at getting them. And are they appealing enough to whoever that, that player is? Trey is in Brooklyn, Texas. He joins us next on 98.7 ESPN. Hey, Trey. What's going on, fellas? I appreciate y'all taking the call. Hey, Trey. Um, yeah, this was a spirited, very spirited win. You know, um, 
These are the wins that, you know, they, they don't galvanize, like you said, they don't galvanize anybody to a championship. Uh, what, what they do is they, 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 they're building block wins. And, and you know, we don't, <laughs> we don't really get a lot of these. You know, those, those free throws that Jalen Brown missed, that's usually us. That's usually Julius Randle's bag right there. That's why he had the great smirk at the end when he was looking at him over his shoulder like, yo, that's usually me, man, you know. Um, I saw a lot of things that I like from Julius tonight, man. A lot of the body language, you know, just taking deep breaths through his free throws and, you know, just being locked in the whole game. Those are things that he kind of wanes sometimes and he doesn't do that every night. When he stays locked in like that, it's a dangerous man. He's dangerous. I'm telling you, he's dangerous because he's a bull in the china shop when he puts his head down and just goes to the basket. So, and, and you know, shout out to Quickly and the bench tonight because they, they yeah. saved our bacon. I'm telling you because – the Celtics came out firing on all cylinders tonight. They was popping. And I thought when Tibbs went to uh, quickly in uh, that second group early and then uh, uh, and then Jericho Sims, shout out to that man, yo. He is really show- – I'm telling you, he is showing that he, he could – that he's one of them pieces, man, that, that they can, you know, have that – that don't nobody really know about. They don't know a lot about this kid, man. And I'm telling you, he snuck up on the Celtics tonight. I don't think they expected him that that defensive effort for him tonight. Yeah, I agree with you, Trey. Thanks for the phone call. You made some great points. And, you know, this is the – you know, Emmanuel quickly jumped out at us in his rookie year, and he was really, really good. And uh, I thought last season he took a step back. Absolutely. Had a slow start this year. But of late, he's really been the Emmanuel quickly that we saw in uh, his rookie year. And I think it really took him some time to adjust to the fact that, you know, he's back to being that first guard off the bench and, and he's running the offense that he is now, you know, it's not he's really good with Derrick Rose. It's, okay, you're running this offense. And I think he's now found a way that he can find for himself and keep his teammates involved. And that's a, for a young player, that's a tough, that's a tough balancing act to, to, to learn to know, okay, when am I supposed to get mine and when can I get everybody else involved, especially coming off the bench. Yeah, uh, and, um, you know, with Tibbs, you know, young players, he, he's playing some young guys now, so you can't crush him for that, but I, I would think, you know, your first foray into the NBA, that, that has got to be a little shock to the system when, when Tibbs is your coach. Yeah. You know, this is not uh, touchy-feely <laughs> modern-day coaching. This is <laughs> this is much more old school, so uh, maybe that yeah. – Clearly, he took a step back last year. The entire team took a step back last mm-hmm. year. Randall took a step back last year. Everybody took a step back, kind of. Um, so, hopefully, this is what you're going to get from him, and and that's another. Uh, I mean, that's a nice piece. That's a nice piece to have. No question about it. James is in the Garden State. James, you're next on ninety-eight-seven. Hello. Thanks for taking my call. Um, this, um, I, I feel that Tom Thibodeau was his this year is is going successful is because he's gotten the team that he wanted. When he coached with Van Gundy, he just remixed that same roster. Marcus Camby, you got Mitchell Robinson, Kurt Thomas, Julius Randle, Spreewell, R.J. Barrett, Clinton Grimes, Allen Houston, Charlie Wood, Jalen Brunson. And I think even though we've had injuries, he's still, like, what he wanted to put together, he's got that roster, and he's being successful. And we're just building on that. But we have a better bench, you know, but I just feel like he's being successful because he got the roster that he, we didn't get the, the, the super, the, the all-star, you know, the, the big fish. But I think all in all, his contingency plan, he got the roster he wanted. Now, I will say this, James. Thanks for the phone call. And, and I, 
I like your analogy. The only thing I would add, I would make the adjustment, Gordon. I would say Latrell Sprewell light, Allen Houston light. <laughs> yes. Yeah, very light. <laughs> because if they were Sprewell in Houston, this team might be the second seed. <laughs> well, certainly further up the, up the rankings for sure. Yep, no doubt about it. But it is a team that, you know, it, it is a team that, Gordon, they play for each other. You see that. And, and you see that they kind of fight alongside each other. They root for each other. And, you know, listen, you win like this, it builds confidence. And and these are the things that help young players. You know, because the coaches yell and scream and, you know, God knows what he says behind the, behind the scenes because we mm. know what he says on the scene, in front <laughs> of the scenes. Yep. So God knows what he says behind the scenes. But when you win these type games against really talented teams, Man, it makes you feel good and gives you some confidence. So now it's about tinkering and getting ready for a very hungry Brooklyn Nets team who has lost two in a row. Uh, tough night last night in losing to the Sixers. That was a spirited game, and then they lose to Detroit tonight. So they will be ready for the Knicks uh, Saturday night in Brooklyn. That's for sure. Now, we had that cut from uh, Windhorse yes. talking about the Knicks looking. Do we have one where he says a player? Because I have a player that I think – I've always kind of felt like it is the one that the Knicks will end up getting. All right. Well, there's one there's one uh, soundbite here that Harvey will play for us that says, what star are the Knicks targeting? Maybe it's okay. this one. Let's yeah, see maybe. if Brian Windhorst uh, gives us gives some us information. There are some guys that are star players that teams who are thinking about you know making a transaction are watching. But that's not any different than it's ever been. There's always a couple of stars that you're watching, and sometimes they all of a sudden shake loose, and sometimes they end up staying put. That's not like a new situation. The Knicks have been in that zone for a while now. There's a player or two that I think, depending on how this season ends next summer, that the Knicks could have a lot of interest in, and there could be mutual interest. But I don't don't know enough to say for sure how it's going to shake out. I mean, I think if you look at the Knicks, they've gotten better. They are probably around a 500 team. They should finish a little bit over 500, I think, right about where they are. Maybe that gets them in. Maybe it doesn't. They have three guys making, you know, $100 million contract, all of whom I like. So they're trying to figure out who that player is. They've been trying for a while, and they'll continue to try. So I think if you're a Knicks fan, you should be enjoying a team that's competitive on most nights. And, you know, but I think they're a team even at their level right now. No, he's not giving up any He's not giving you a name. No, he's not, he's not giving up any information. I've always felt like Zion is going to end up being a Nick at some point. I had a feeling too. I'm with you. Yeah. I know he has. Uh, he, he's not a free agent anytime soon. He signed that extension, but mm -hmm. uh, that would not be the first time that uh, a member of the New Orleans Pelicans had a contract and <laughs> decided at some point, get me the heck out of here. Yeah. Uh -huh. I, I've always kind of felt like he was a was a target of the Knicks, and uh, I don't know when that would be. But that, if I had to put a name on it right now, that would be the name I would put on it. Yeah, it's it, it's it's an interesting thought, especially since I don't know if, if his other Duke teammates will be here. <laughs> I mean, one of them will be. Right. I don't know if Cam Reddish will be here. No, but, uh, no, you know. no, no. I, I'm fairly you know, confident he will not be. He he might be in the deal to bring Zion here. <laughs> you, you never he's gonna know. He's going to be in some deal somewhere. He's, not, he's, he's, he's not sticking around. There's no question about that. No question about that. When we return, Robert Sala talks about his new offensive coordinator. That's next on 98.7 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. Time is running down, folks. 
You know, you before know, before long, Larry, it's, we're going to start be talking about uh, March Madness. That's right, and we'll have to come up with another. We got to come uh, up with something again this year. I'm yeah, not sure. We will. We will. I mean, February's right around the corner. February is right down the street. Yeah, <laughs> it's right down the street. We got to be, you know, we we got to. Well, I guess, I guess like, uh, it's going to be a meeting. <laughs> yeah, there's going to have to be some conversations. It's going to be a meeting. Oh, there's going to be a meeting. Yeah, yes, we're going to have to have some conversations about what we're going to yeah. do for the big NCAA yeah, tournament. We're not going to talk, you know, college basketball only goes so far. You know? That's right. If you're That's not right. gambling on it, nobody cares. Trust me, the, the college basketball season is going on right now. Nobody's mentioning it. Nope. nope. But all nope. of a sudden you throw $10 in the pool. Oh, my God, I love Gonzaga. <laughs> <laughs> it's life and death. There's no question about it. No it's, question. It's, you're warming up. You're starting to maybe you might take a little peek. Mm-hmm. You might take a little peek dur- during the uh, – other rather than to watch the skills competition of the NFL, you'll be watching college football on that Sunday, college basketball on that Sunday, and then you'll check back in after the Super Bowl. And when you start talking about conference championships, say, "Hey, okay, let me see what folks are looking like. Let me start to see." I'm see always, I, I always amaze myself, Larry, that first couple of days of the tournament that my to, my pool sheet is already torn up, and I can't <laughs> figure out why. Maybe it's because you've not watched any college basketball all season. You're just guessing. You're just rolling the dice. Flipping a coin, right, exactly. That's why you have to remember, like our former colleague, Mike Golick, you have to have nine sheets of integrity. Right, you you play out every possibility so that even you basically you have to win the pool just to break even because most of the money in the pool is your money. Exactly, but but at least you'll win something. Yes, <laughs> as opposed to you'll not have the title everything. of yes, absolutely. That's it, no question about it. Well, it's official. Robert Sala and the New York Jets have a new head, new new head coach, a new offensive coordinator. <laughs> no, that's next year, Larry. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully not. Now that Nathaniel Hopefully Hackett not. is Hopefully here, not, now that Nathaniel Hackett is here, and uh, Robert Sala says he is the man for the job. Really excited about it. Uh, you know, we we casted a wide net, like we said we were going to. We interviewed, got well over 15 uh, different candidates for this position, uh, went to college, went to different schemes, talked to different people, um, a lot of really, really, really good football coaches out there. But when it came back to um, a certain checklist that I was trying to go through, just checking boxes on what we were looking for with regards to this next offensive coordinator, um, just kept circling back to him, uh, uh he, he checks every box that we're looking for. I'm not going to get into the details of it, but uh, uh, really, really excited about this uh, and uh, being able to get Nathaniel here. The box he checks, Gordon, is uh, Aaron Rodgers might like to work with him again. <laughs> that's, a, that, that's a big box. <laughs> At least uh, that's what Mike Greenberg thinks. There was one reason and one reason only why you hire Nathaniel Hackett as your offensive coordinator, and that is because it increases your chances of signing Aaron Rodgers to be your quarterback. Now, we all thought that that was what Denver was doing last year, and that obviously was disastrous because they got Hackett, and he did an absolutely terrible job as their head coach, and they didn't get Rodgers, and they got Russell Wilson, and we've all seen what happened. But Rodgers loves Nathaniel Hackett. They are close. They are simpatico. He obviously has an offensive system that Rodgers likes. He came from Green Bay, so it's the same system. It's LaFleur. It's Matt LaFleur. It's Mike LaFleur. I mean, I'm connecting dots here, people. So it is going to be impossible for anyone to convince me that this is not a sign that the Jets are 
at minimum, more actively stepping up their pursuit of Aaron Rodgers and trying to make themselves as attractive to him as possible. And I, for one, as a lifelong fan, endorse that move. Now, we all know that Mike Greenberg is an obsessed Jets fan. Obsessed. So I, I really would have loved to see the expression on his face when Dan Graziano walked in and said this to Greenberg. You shouldn't hire Nathaniel Hackett because you think it'll bring you Aaron Rodgers. That's the lesson from the Broncos last year. And I don't think that's exactly what the Jets have done here. But we know there's a good relationship between those two people, right? So if you're thinking about making a run at it and you believe in Nathaniel Hackett as a coach, then you see him as a potential asset in that potential pursuit as well. All right. So, Gordon, we, we, I think most people agree that this time around, for an offensive coordinator, you needed to have somebody with experience. Absolutely. If indeed it helps you get Aaron Rodgers, that's a plus. But in any event, you needed to change what you were doing. It didn't make sense for you to bring in another person who didn't have offensive coordinator experience in the NFL. It, 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 did, it didn't, doesn't work. It didn't work for you. And I, I've seen a lot on Twitter from Jet fans that the Hackett hiring is like uh, a, a replay of Adam Gase. Uh, I, I mean, the, the guy, this guy has at least a, a track record uh, of some success in the role of being an offensive coordinator. So I, of the names that you had listed, mm -hmm. of the names that the Jets had listed that I saw, this, was the only, this is the guy who was the most qualified for the job. And how about, how about going that route for a change, right? Who, yeah. Not who has the highest ceiling, who's going to be doing this or that in three years from now or anything like that. This is the guy who had the best resume as an offensive coordinator. So I don't think that taking Aaron Rodgers out of the equation, this was the right hire to make out of the names that you now may, – maybe you should have had more people on the list – that had a, a track record mm -hmm. of, of success in that position. But of the names that they looked at that I saw, mm -hmm. this was the one that jumped down. And I said, yeah, that's the guy because you, you cannot go down the road again of the last thing the Jets need is another quarterback whisperer or this guy's a quarterback guru or anything yeah. like that. This is a guy who can just do the job. And, yeah. and, and you know what? In the last 30 years, Larry, think about the amount of times you've heard Jet fans complaining about the offensive coordinator. <laughs> all the time. All the time. It, it, all the the time. names change, but the, the gripes are all the same. Does anybody think that maybe that might have something to do with the fact the Jets have not really had a quarterback in those 30 years? Mm-hmm. It's true. So true. more important than who you hired as the offensive coordinator, I think it's the right hire, but it's all going to depend on who you get a quarterback. Absolutely. Absolutely. And some Jet fans are mad because they remember his dad. <laughs> and they're like, oh right. my God, they'll no, no, I'm oh, sure man. some of them will still be yelling Paul Hackett when he's <laughs> when he's coaching on the sidelines. <laughs> Paul Hackett, uh, Heimerdinger was one, yeah. Schottenheimer, Brian Schottenheimer. Gailey, Chan Gailey. Chan Gailey. I mean, that that for for a, a coaching position that is not the head coach or not the manager, not the main person. That job has gotten more criticism than probably any job in this town in terms of coaching. Even more than the defensive coordinator. Oh, oh, not even close. It's not even close. Not even close. Jets offensive coordinator is like the 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 A-rod of, of lightning rods. <laughs> I mean, that position. Oh my God. It's been brutal. It's been brutal. brutal. So, Robert Sadler, we don't want to call any names, but we know that Hackett has connection with some former quarterbacks. 
you know, it's all surface level stuff, you know, Rich, because it, it doesn't matter uh, what the connections are. Everyone's got a connection to everybody in this league. But uh, the most important thing was finding a guy who we felt could continue developing our young guys um, at a very high level and uh, a guy who's done it before, a guy who's had success in this league with uh, with a variety of different quarterbacks. And uh, and like I said, every single every after every interview, just went back to my list to just kind of review where we stood and um, Nathaniel checked every box and um, and, you know, just really fortunate, you know, how much he believes in us uh, as an organization. He could have sat on the couch for four years and, uh, you know, but uh, so his his excitement to be here is reciprocated. So he's um, like I said, really excited is a really, really good hire um, and really excited about the direction uh, that we're going to be able to go. All right. So what is the future of the Jets quarterback position, coach? The quarterback position, obviously, with all the different interviews, were was the number one concern, uh, and rightfully so. And it was it was simple. We're committed to uh, finding a veteran. Uh, we didn't get into names. Uh, um, I, I doubt that he's even studied. Uh, he hasn't studied those guys yet, which he's going to uh, start uh, next week. But um, but we didn't get into specifics on names. But it was it was uh, talked about that we do plan on bringing a veteran quarterback if we can. Uh, we do want to continue working with Zach and. Uh, um, and continue to develop him. All right. So, okay. Is know. he done reading his book? <laughs> no, no. There's a new book now because it's yeah. a new OC. Yeah. It's a new book. Yep. It's a new book. Um, it's going to be interesting, Gordon. It is going to be interesting to see who they end up be, having that veteran quarterback. Who's that going to be? Uh, I know who, you know, there's different folks. I know there's a Rogers camp. There's a car camp. There's a Garoppolo camp. Um, you know, those are the three. Uh, there's no Zach Wilson camp, I can tell you that. There's no Zach that's Wilson like, camp. That's like the lost city of Roanoke. <laughs> that's a, that's, that's right. cleared out very quickly. That has cleared out. Uh, and and uh, here's one thing you can know for sure. Mm-hmm. If the Jets, if next year, uh, I'm cracking myself up. Uh, if next year <laughs> Zach Wilson's name is getting mentioned at all, they failed. Well, it could be mentioned with him being inactive again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If, if, if it, if, but if it's about playing. If they, yeah, if, no, at I know any what point saying. next yeah. year, Zach Wilson's name is being brought up as, well, maybe we have to go to Zach Wilson, then you know for sure it's failed. Yeah, or it's an injury. Or well, it's an then, injury. I, then you pick the wrong – I mean, it, it, look, it, it's all part of it. You've yeah. you got to be able yeah. to play. That's one thing about Rodgers that would worry a little bit is that mm-hmm. he is 39 years old and the Jets' offensive yeah. line is not exactly the five uh, blocks of granite up front. Yeah. So Rodgers and Garoppolo would worry. Yeah, oh, Garoppolo, it's, that, that has to be baked in. Yeah. I mean, he's he's been he's been hurt a lot. But look, I, I think that this is a sign that the Jets are in for Aaron Rodgers. It's just a question of whether or not they can get him. Yeah, whether or not Rodgers wants to come here. Yeah, you know, because they have the in 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 this sense, and I still don't think he's coming. But they have the in in this sense, and we've said it repeatedly. They're not trading him in the NFC. I would not think so. No. They're going to trade him out of the division, yeah. or they'll, you know, they'll cut him or do something else. But they, you know, they're not going to let him just, you know, the, the same. It, it's it's the Favre rules. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you want to go to Minnesota? Okay, you go you go to the AFC and then you come back. We're not sending you directly there. That's not happening. Sorry. Because he definitely, even more so than Favre, he presents the kind of personality that seems like he would love to rub it in the Packers' face of going someplace within the division and costing them playoffs, wins, whatever. Mm -hmm. No question. Favre did that too, but it didn't seem that apparent at the time that like he was somebody that really just wanted to rub it. It's weird. 
The organization had success. You won a Super Bowl there. You're beloved yeah. there. Yeah. But here's two guys in a row, all-time greats, that at the end of their career, all they wanted to do was be able to get out of there so that they could stick it to the team. Yeah. It's crazy. Success isn't everything, huh? <laughs> Guess not. <laughs> when Gordon and I return, we'll preview conference final weekend. Oh, it's going to be good. We'll do that next on 98.7 ESPN. Hi, guys. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN.